And it's a big gap. It's a huge gap in construction. I can tell you that right now. Project managers, you know, may learn how to manage projects, but, you know, they get promoted for being good at that. And their next people, you know, the next thing that they're managing are the people that are managing the projects and they don't get any help learning that. You know, and that's, I think that's true throughout most of our industries. You know, we just expect those people that are good at doing the thing are going to be good at, at managing the people that do the thing. And they're not always. They need the tools. Welcome, everybody, to a quality podcast. We're happy this week to have back with us Brian Winningham, the most patriotic, lean person in America right now. And uh, a lot of our podcasts, we have really good conversations about the world of lean consulting and continuous improvement, operational excellence in various sectors. Today, we're going to go a little bit deeper with Brian. We know that a lot of our listeners have to facilitate conversations and change. And today we're going to talk about a tool set that you can add to your toolbox that can help you as you facilitate conversations. So Brian, welcome to the show. Say hi to everybody who didn't catch you last time. Hi to everybody who didn't catch me last time and who did catch me last time also. We say hi to you also. Everybody gets a hi. So Brian, you uh, introduced us to liberating structures last time in our conversation. Today, we'd like to look at that a little bit more closely. So assume that everybody listening is as dumb as I am. And tell us a little bit about what liberating structures are and what they mean to you. John, Sorry, go uh, ahead. I, I really don't know that I'm qualified to speak to a level, you know, to that level of, of if that's the audience that we're trying to hit, I, you know, I might have to you might need you might need Jake to translate for me is all I'm saying. Maybe that maybe he can bridge that gap so that you know your your intellect might even you know eventually even understand the, the the stupidness that comes out of my mouth. So we'll get it. We'll get it one way or another. Um, so tell me about liberating structures. So I was introduced to liberating structures a couple of years ago uh, up in Boston uh, by a gentleman named Hal Maycomer who's uh, sort of a, a, a longtime lean construction practitioner and, and I think had lean uh, manufacturing in his background even before that. Um, liberating structures, I, I recognized it as, you know, my job as a coach, I recognized right away, you know, what the power of it was for me and how it could help me. Uh, but it, it helps you make sure that everybody uh, has a voice in the conversation. And it, it's uh, based in complexity science. Uh, it, you know, it, it's precepts and concepts and everything are all very much um, come from like the agile community. You can see a lot of that influence there. Uh, there's a Slack community of about 8,500 people uh, that, you know, share knowledge constantly. It's just an amazing community. So, you know, there, there's a lot to be said for all of the liberating structure stuff and, and the support and everything that's available there. Okay, so I'll put a link in the show notes and stuff so people can check some of this out. But um, liberating structures, is it fair to say that liberating structures is sort of a collection of methods that facilitators can use in specific situations to be more effective? It's like having a Swiss army knife for a facilitator. It really is. You know, if you've got a specific thing that you want to do, and I'll share some of the documents later that kind of show you how to do that. Uh, you know, it, you can actually, you know, take several liberating structures and they call that a design string and put them together and sort of have them build on each other to sort of accomplish a purpose, an overall goal if you're trying to. So. You know, there's any number of, of really good good uses for liberating structures, even if you just need them for one meeting. Liberating structures, you know, they they help you. Uh, in in 15 minutes, you and your group can attack a problem and and a challenge, and in 15 minutes, you'll have at least three or four really good suggestions to be able to move your group forward. Uh, you know, and, and that's using a one-two-for-all, which is sort of a foundational liberating structure. 
So uh, let me just sort of explain it, I think is really the best way because the name of it is descriptive for what it actually is. So it's called one, two, four, all. And the way that that works is, you know, whatever challenge or question that the group is working on, you put that in front of everybody. And then you give everyone one minute of silent reflection where everyone has to sort of stop and think about whatever the challenge is. At the end of that one minute, the facilitator will let everybody know, hey, it's time for you to go into pairs and you find another person and the two of you just discuss whatever you just, you know, were thinking about in your in your time of a silent contemplation. And then at the end of two minutes, the two of you find another pair and you take four minutes and you discuss discuss together what the you know what the pairs had had came up with. And as you're doing that, you sort of look for what bubbles to the top. What are the similarities? What is kind of happening? You know, what are we all sort of seeing the same way? And that's sort of the, the, the main points that you want to bring back to the all. And then as the facilitator, once you've gone that four minutes with the groups of four, you have everybody come back to the main group and, and you can do this virtually. Uh, it was a little bit of a problem early on with Zoom and, and the different platforms because people couldn't move freely. So we ended up doing what's called a one-three-all, where we would give everybody a few moments of silent reflection, then put them in together in groups of three, and then have them come back to the main group and share that way. But uh, yeah, you know, a lot of these structures translate over into virtual facilitation as well as, you know, in-person facilitation. They were all made specifically for in-person facilitation to start with, but they have translated well into the virtual world. So here's where this uh, interests me and kind of bridges the gap is I've worked with quite a few continuous improvement professionals in my career. Um, I'd say they're probably 50-50, about half came out of engineering and half came out of uh, some other business management. Um, many of the professionals I've worked with are very good at understanding physics in a factory or operational setting. Uh, when it comes time to solve the problems, um, they're less skilled in getting people to work together. Um, and so when I researched facilitating structures, you know, really what I saw there was um, a bunch of different methodologies that can work very well for really anybody that has to get people to work together and solve problems, uh, which of course applies very well in our industry, right? Yeah, yeah and, and all of the instructions, there's a website, there's a book and there's an app. Uh, the website I found to be most useful for understanding the structures. Uh, the, the app is very great for uh, putting together design strength, you know, going back and forth between the website and the app. And then the book, uh, you know, I, buy it if you want to, but you don't have to. Uh, you know, it, it's it's not necessary. There's there's plenty of information on the website, uh, the Slack channel. You know, if you if you so inclined and want to get involved there, I mean, there's a wealth of information and people there that will help you like without, you know, at the drop of a hat. It, it, it's really an amazing community. Uh, it, it's especially tight knit for 8,500 people that really don't even know each other all that well. So, John, I feel like I would be remiss if we didn't challenge Brian to give him a problem statement and let him uh, facilitate on us a little bit with some liberating structures. Yeah, let's get some uh, public practice going. So let's think of a problem statement that is appropriately juicy to like keep the audience engaged, but, you know, not so out there that we, you know, air our dirty laundry. So. <laughs> There goes all of my ideas. Uh, okay. Let me let me stay as general as possible and a problem I've had at every job I've ever had. And that's there is an engineering benchmark for performance and our group is unable to hit it. That's my problem statement there. There is an engineering standard for what my productivity should be. Our team is unable to hit it. OK, uh, before we go any further, Brian, to add some color, right? Um, I don't think it's fair to call it an engineering standard for productivity because uh, I've only worked directly for one 
two companies that engineered a productivity standard. Uh, in all the other cases, it had nothing to do with engineering at all. It was a contract somebody signed. So is it fair, Jake, to say there's a performance standard that the team can't meet and somebody probably pulled it out of their bag of tricks? Uh, I've been in both where it was legitimately engineered and not, but we can go a step broader and say the expected standard is not being met by the group. You know, based on, you know, nobody knows if that standard is realistic or not, you know, as John's pointed out, but the expected standard is not being met. Okay, so, so Brian, your role in this, your role in this, you've been brought in by the company to help the team figure out why they're not hitting this standard, right? Um, talk through some of the actions you might take and, you know, like where you would use a liberating structure um, to facilitate. Well, do you mind if I share my screen real quickly? Yeah, please do. I can, please. I can show you how we would how we would look at this and how we would do this. So only you, you know, I would I would need to talk to the team and find out a little bit more, Jake, about what's going on. You know, uh, what, how does the team work together? Need to be around you for a little bit to kind of understand, you know, what your processes are a little bit. Um, especially since I'm not in manufacturing, <laughs> you know, I'm in construction. So it's a little easier for me to envision those processes in construction and, and sort of know what those are. But, you know, I, I would ask first, you know, do we understand, you know, what we're trying to do? Uh, you know, do we do we need to make the purpose of our work together clear? You know, if that's something that that really makes, you know, resonates with, with what's happening, you know, is we don't have a lot of clarity about what we're doing. then what I can do is I can come and I can go down here and I can do my nine whys. All right, let's jump, let's jump into that a little bit. So my job is to walk to a warehouse location, a physical bay in a warehouse, grab okay. a box, bring it up, put it on a conveyor belt. That's my whole job is I am traveling a warehouse, grabbing packages, putting them on a conveyor belt, and we're not hitting the number of packages we need to hit. Well, but, but that's not what you're doing, is it, Jake? What are, what are those packages that you're doing? I mean, you know, what, what is, you know, what's the impact that you're making? It'd be my first question. You know, who, who are the packages for? I guess uh, every evil guy in this hypothetical scenario that orders on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, what is, is your company only based on profit? I mean, if that's the case, then maybe, maybe there's something missing there. You know, I don't, I don't know that liberating structures is going to, to, to change that, uh, but we can start to find out, you know, what those answers are. So, so as that person, your job is to move boxes. So what do you feel like is happening that's causing you not to meet your quota of moving boxes? Are the boxes not the right size in the right place? Uh, in, in so this would be, would that question that you said there, would that be where our one minute of reflection comes in? Where we're asking the group, like, so what is it you feel is in the way and let us sit and like, so yeah, cut in. So if we went to the nine whys and let, let me take you over to the nine whys. So that's, that's a pretty simple thing. Let's come over here. Let me explain to you. So if we thought that was what we needed to do is make our, you know, make it, un, you know, make what we're doing, uh, uh, you know, with breathtaking simplicity, you can rapidly clarify for individuals and a group what is essentially important in their work. You know, what happens, you know, if your packages aren't there, then truck drivers are waiting, right? That's that's really what's happening next, right? If your packages don't get to where they're going, it's not so much that there's a big difference between you getting a package over there in two seconds or three seconds or five seconds or whatever that number is. It's that the next person down the line is, you know, that your customer isn't getting what they need from you, right? That's really what we're looking at. So what we want to do then is we can come down here and look at what the sequence of steps are. So you've got a structuring invitation. And then what do you do when working on blank? And why is that important to you? So we could ask, you know, what are the things that you do when you're moving those boxes? You know, what are, what are the important steps for you? You know, what, what, what do those mean? 
you know, and keep asking why up to nine times or until participants can go no deeper because they have reached the fundamental purpose of what they do. So it's just like the five whys only. I mean, I'm not sure if, if both of you are familiar with the story, but the story I heard about the five whys and why we ended up with five is because that was sort of a flip answer that Taichi Ono gave someone when they sort of asked him and wouldn't wouldn't let him not answer how many times to ask why. So he said, ask five, and he just walked, turned and walked away. So that's the story yeah. I heard. I don't know how true that is, you know, I mean, whatever, but, uh, you it know. It could be three or it could be 23, right? Until uh, so you get to a root cause. Yeah. Right. And it's the same but, way with nine whys. What I liked about uh, this liberating structure when I was going through was, I said the same thing as soon as I saw it. I was like, this is just, you know, five whys or asking why do you get to the root cause. But what I love about it, as uh, you shared on your screen, the, this tool tells you like what to do, like how to actually do five whys. And if you look at the um, invitation to participate in the, the sequence of steps and time allocation, you know, you can plan ahead and structure um, much more efficiently, and you don't have to to make it up as you go along. You can just follow this template to get good results. Um, in contrast, you might have walked a process and observed what's going on, taken notes, look for waste, all of that stuff, have a pretty good idea of how things need to improve. And yet, as a lean facilitator, your goal at this point is to open the eyes of the people doing the work and have them discover the solution, right? As opposed to just telling, okay, you're going to do this now, change that. Change. That doesn't work. We know that doesn't work, right? So you're going to do this 5Y exercise and probably are going to exhibit a little bit of influence, right, on the exercise to steer the participants in a good direction. So you're facilitating this 5S event, or, or I'm sorry, this 5Y event. Um, you're asking the team why five times. Now, there's a lot of ineffective ways you can do this. And for folks that uh, maybe are weaker on the facilitation part, um, that's where I find liberating structures uh, could be very helpful, right? And most of them apply to different um, facilitation events. Um, as opposed to uh, supplanting maybe the tools that you already have, these are methodologies for facilitation um, for stuff you are probably already doing. Uh, so an example of a maybe a less effective approach to uh, a 5Y event would be uh, getting everybody in the room and saying, why? You know, and then writing down like the one answer that you agree with, okay, why? Right. And I've seen this done. That's why I'm using it as an example. Right. Um, and so half of the people walk away thinking, well, this is complete garbage. Like nobody even listened to me. Right. Um, and the the learning kind of didn't happen. But when you look through the way that the tool is written in liberating structures, um, it's designed to get everybody engaged and heard and they'll learn as they go and experience hey, I think like this guy, and I think differently this way. And this gal over here with this other payer, they actually, the things that kind of bubble to the top for them, uh, match ours like 80%. Okay, this is good. So I have some validation there, right? And so it allows people to experience uh, group validation as well as, hey, you know, I thought of something nobody else thought of. Right, which is an important psychological component for uh, team members to feel like they're uh, valued and part of a team. So I like the uh, example that we just walked through. Here's a really standard thing you might be doing in your lean facilitation. And the liberating structures kind of teach you how to facilitate and gives you a template uh, where you can effectively go through these exercises um, as a uh, continuous improvement professional. And, and it gives you a time frame, so you know, you know, it shouldn't take you, you know, if, it, if it's something that should take you 20 minutes, it shouldn't take you an hour and a half to do, right? 
I mean, maybe sometimes it does. And as you get more experience at facilitation, you'll understand why it might sometimes. But, you know, as in the beginning, you know, I, I had a thought as you were talking. I, I wonder how many young process engineers just annoy the crap out of operators, you know, when they when they come up with their five whys that they learned in school, you know, and they they start asking those five whys without understanding what a root cause even looks like. Right. And, and that's what I really like about this is because it asks it has some questions, you know, and there's also tips and tricks and things below there that can help you, you know, uh, uh, as well as some sort of uh, visual stuff there that can help you. But uh, lots of tips and traps and stuff like that to help help you sort of get past that stuff. Uh, yeah, I love nine wise and that, you know, I saw right away too the, the tie in between it and lean and uh, even when you look at at liberating structures if I can find where it's at while you're while you're searching there I'll tell a great story about a time in a galaxy long long ago far far away where I found a root cause that was precisely nine wise and was asked to rewrite it because five wise was the standard and I yeah. had to go back and not just revise the root cause I had come to, but also the solution in order to make it fit the document. If you want to talk about just completely like somewhere far out in sea, there's this boat, but you have never laid eyes on it. How in the world did that keep, how did you keep from getting your, your young process engineer soul crushed at that point, Jake? Really, seriously. Oh no, my soul, my soul was immediately crushed. I've been dead ever since. That's where this, this brand has taken off is I was like, well, you know what? What if I suddenly just take a huge crap on that company metaphorically via LinkedIn and like that, that you know, <laughs> yeah, I had a similar situation where uh, an employee was in an accident and the uh, wise, you know, there was really only three whys you know, that you could answer there. Um, and I got the same thing, somebody from, now this is not like an engineering group or an OPEX group coming back. This was like uh, operations management coming back and saying, no, it has to be five Y's, it's five Y's, right? it's five. I'm like, it, you know what? I'll make it five. So I just took, took like the, you know, there was three, I took the one in the middle and I turned it into three and it was so sarcastic, you know, nobody with an IQ above room temperature could have, you know, not been offended reading it and uh, submitted that. And the response I got was, see, now you're learning. This is much better than the last one. There were very cold rooms there. Very, very cold room. <laughs> no, that, that, uh, that cracks me up. So. What I wanted to show you and share with you uh, is the principles behind liberating structural structures because they're very, very much the same as the, you know, the same principles for lean and for agile and for scrum and, and a lot of those things that you see there. So, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, include and unleash everyone, practice deep respect for people and local solutions, build trust as you go, learn by failing forward practice self-discovery within a group, amplify freedom and responsibility, emphasize possibilities, believe before you see, that's a great one. Uh, invite creative destruction to enable innovation. That's trends, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, engage in seriously playful curiosity and never start without a clear purpose. So, you know, those those really align for me, you know, with, with my lean journey and the things that I want on my lean journey, uh, you know, so that, that's sort of why they, 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 you know, are sort of important to me and why they really, you know, align with what I'm trying to do. And, and you know, I can't, uh, they are creative commons, just, uh, I'll throw that in there. So, you know, you can, you can, uh, uh, use them, you can share them, but you can't sell them. So, uh, you know, shame on you for making money on them if you try. <laughs> well, I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah. What I, what I really, um, enjoyed about liberating structures and going through this was part of what I do is help other consultants. Um, and many of them have some of the same problems. Um, one challenge that uh, comes to the surface, you know, frequently in the execution part is just the how do I do it, uh, particularly 
for those folks that maybe spent 30 years uh, with one company, you know, Komatsu or something like that. Um, and and so they, they kind of learned one way of doing lean and uh, they're trying to help companies that don't fit in that mold and use different tools and you know do you use an a3 or an 8d and you know all of the minutiae that you get into sometimes um the actual like classroom learning like adult learning theory and how to actually influence people and change behaviors permanently that's an ongoing gap because most of the folks that i work with you know they came from more of an engineering type of background um and the ones that didn't often came from a blue collar background, like they did the work and came up through the ranks. Um, both of those categories are usually really good at sort of the engineering side. Um, and even the people side, like on a one on one basis, mm -hmm. but facilitation classroom large groups, it's just different. Like there's whole PhD dissertations on this stuff. Um, and we shouldn't assume that we're good at it or that John, there's not I, always more to learn right sure yeah Even always, if we are good always at more it. to learn yeah ahead. and i feel i feel like john you really need to like drop something that's like here's hard skills and soft skills training because that just doesn't exist it does not exist anywhere yeah yeah it's a it's a gap we'll probably uh address it at some point um, I, I like what google's doing have you seen that where they're they've they've sort of looked at twi and developed their own internal twi um you know models and stuff like that where they they're they're teaching leadership to their people and to their managers and it's a big gap it's a huge gap in construction i can tell you that right now project managers you know may learn how to manage projects but you know they get promoted for being good at that and their next people, you know, the next thing that they're managing are the people that are managing the projects and they don't get any help learning that, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, I think that's true throughout most of our industries. You know, we just expect those people that are good at doing the thing are going to be good at, at managing the people that do the thing. And they're not always, they need the tools. Yeah. Couldn't agree more strongly. We've had uh, quite a few stories about that on this podcast, you know, including my story, you know, the first time I was promoted, um, I was a very good uh, case slot order filler for Walmart logistics. I was the best and uh, got promoted, you know, to team leader and I was the worst. Um, you know, the, the habits and values and everything that it took to be a good individual contributor worked against me as a team leader, right? Uh, as an individual, I had to put myself first, you know, my productivity came first, um, get away with as much as you can get away with. Don't worry about the rest of the team. Um, be aggressive, be challenging, win all of the contests. Right. And then all of a sudden you're in a role where you have to get results with a team and most of the team is not that good. Right. So you, those two things don't go together. Now I had the, uh, good fortune of, you know, having good people that uh, would just talk, you know, to me honestly and speak truth, you know, into my life. And also I generally teachable, you know, I, I wanted to succeed. Um, I just didn't know any better. Right. Uh, so yeah, so, we see that story all the time. Go ahead. So what I would say, you know, you just, you just brought up, you know, Triz, you know, I wanted to kind of sneak that in here, creative destruction, because, you know, I think for what you were, you were thinking at the time, maybe that's what we needed to kind of figure out, you know, so Triz is based, uh, originally was based on a, a, a um, problem solving technique developed in the Soviet Union. And here I usually spit on the floor because I was very much a child of the 80s and and uh, the Soviet Union was the, uh, the the big boogeyman that we all fought against. And, you know, I was in the military in the 80s and, you know, we, we killed commies for mommy and all that kind of stuff. But so, you and know, for whatever. all of our uh, listeners out there, Triz is one of the liberating structures. So go yes. ahead, Brian. So, the, the, so the, the, the Russian model is a little bit different uh, uh, than, than the Triz that we do in liberating structures. And I'm not going to spend any more time on the Russian model. But what we're looking to do with TRIZ is creative destruction. 
So we want to get the creative juices flowing. And the way we do that is by making it a little bit fun to start with. So we ask people to question, you know, whatever our challenge is that we're working on uh, or whatever uh, uh, goal that we're trying to reach, we ask the group, how could we make it fail? And what specific actions could you as an individual take to make sure that it failed? Right. And then we, we spend some time, you know, I, I've done this in person. I usually like to do a bubble chart and I'm just up there on a whiteboard and just I'm writing as fast as I can write. And people are throwing answers out there and it's, it's a lot of fun. People jump into it and get, uh, get, get, get with it pretty, you know, cause it's kind of fun to break things. Right. I mean, we all, we all kind of do. I mean, uh, I think I told us a little bit of a story. We all have an inner time. saboteur. We do. <laughs> I mean, when I was 18, I got to blow stuff up, right, for pipelines. So, I, you know, I, I, I definitely love breaking stuff. And I was an Army Ranger. That's what we're known for is breaking stuff. So, uh, but Triz, you know, and, and then from there, you know, after everybody's kind of, uh, you've got all the answers that you think you're kind of going to get, you know, after five or ten minutes or so, uh, you kind of stop. And then you say, okay, so our, our next question is, what are we currently doing that in any way, shape or form resembles these things we just talked about that are going to stop us from being successful? Let's do it with my productivity example. So John okay. and I work in a warehouse. We are five boxes an hour away from hitting that goal. So what in the world could we do to make sure that we never hit that goal ever? And what, what specific actions could you take, Jake and John, to make sure that we didn't ever hit that goal. I could take that package and I could go put it in the trunk of my car. Beat that. All right, I could hide between two aisles and some boxes and not move anything. I could take that box to maintenance and light it on fire with the acetylene torch. Eight hour bathroom break. God damn, this is getting hard. I could run over it intentionally with a fork truck. I could not actually scan anything and keep moving the same box slowly through the throughout the warehouse. I could organize a touch football game using the box as a football. There you go. There you go. So and we have way, some good. Before you go any, before you go any further, uh, that metaphor touches on all sports. So I don't want to hear any soccer, basketball, whatever. I nailed it all with the football thing, rugby. Okay, so I got sports. Mm -hmm. sports oh wait, with the ball. Wait, sports with a ball. Just because with a ball. Any sport with a ball or a puck, close enough. John John's not good at being inclusive. John's not good at being inclusive. So well, liberating structure. Since John's not good at being inclusive. We'll, we'll get that you one for play, the next. You John. can play hide a lie. You can play hide a lie with the boxes and not get your productivity numbers. Please continue. High lies played with a ball. I, I, I was, you know, my 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 first thought was, you know, deciding which one, which of the packages I wanted to use as a porta john. <laughs> that's a, that's an apt right. name given I, uh, I mean, the the uh, one John the one John I have in my life. That's an apt name. I, I think you might have won that one, Brian. Um, okay, so we just creatively destroyed a whole warehouse, right? And that was kind of um, that was kind of liberating, you know. Like if I were actually <laughs> working in this warehouse, no, but I, I'm being serious, right? If I were an actual yeah. worker in this environment and I had the chance to talk the way that I just talked, it actually it got a lot of steam out, you know. Like that actually felt good. Like there's a lot of shitty stuff that, you know. <laughs> We could do here. It's not work. an easy job. It sucks. It hurts. Yeah, you know, it's hard job. It, it it is. Yeah. Okay. So Brian. So our next question it. is: So, which of those things that we just talked about? You know, what are we doing now that in any way, shape, or form resembles those things? Oh. So, well, okay, Jake, so Jake, you talked about an eight-hour bathroom break. Is there maybe, uh, you know, lots of 10-minute bathroom breaks throughout the day every now and then? No. A, a lot, yeah. I have some in comments. <laughs> I mean, I talked about, you know, uh, putting a package out of my car. So not maybe not that, but if I'm moving the package in any cardinal direction except right towards that line, same thing, right? 
if it's two o'clock on Friday and you haven't scanned, you know, five or six packages and you're getting off in 30 minutes at 2.30, are you really, you know, maybe, you know, John's over there talking to you, Jake, are you going to, going to keep scanning? You're going to let them go maybe and, uh, you know, know the next shift can pick them up? Uh, yeah. yeah, definitely enough of if, you know, I, my, one of my breaking comments was if I just pretended like I was doing the job essentially with the, with the same box and anything I'm not doing to, you know, move the process forward is, you know, inhibiting our, our goal. Yeah. So, so our next step is to figure out, you know, what, what first steps, and, and we're not looking to solve the problem in any way. We just want to know what first small step, what Kaizen, what's first small itty bitty step we can take forward that gets us past doing these things that we just talked about that we do sometimes. Excuse my French, but John cannot shit in the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll start there. That's fair. <laughs> no box shitting. <laughs> I'm not judging you, but please just stop. <laughs> stop it. I'm not really sure that's helpful. Just stop it. Jake, you're not old enough to laugh at that joke. I'm not. What is it in reference to? Exactly. Um, so I, I am old enough to tell you that when I first started in construction as a, as a, a laborer, that we had job made wooden outhouses on the site. And oh, wow. generally the uh, uh, iron workers, when they showed up, at least one of them would get set on fire because they weren't getting kept clean enough. <laughs> wow, y'all set on fire? fire? Turned over and set on fire usually. <laughs> Hopefully nobody's in it. You know, if you're if you if you piss off the iron workers, it might be with someone in it. Well, I was in <laughs> South America and I shat in a hole in the public square in front of everybody because i guess that's how they do it down there but uh i would have definitely preferred a cardboard box in a closet to that but uh hey we do what we have to do so we're even on the line i'm guessing that at that point no shame now i mean why not <laughs> right <clears throat> well i i appreciate you you know going through that uh you know, kind of lighthearted Triz exercise on creative destruction and, you know, just highlights as operational excellence professionals, right? We have this um, vision that we're kind of moving forward with an organization to make the organization better. And a big part of what we're doing is facilitating conversations, facilitating learning, uh, bringing the level of the individuals involved up, right? We're leveling up the team and that can be a challenge. And you can go to school and get a whole degree in how to do this, right? Um, there's organizational behavior, there's teaching, right? Group learning, coaching. These are, you know, four-year degrees and master's degrees. Learning and, and development. Learning and development, yeah. Um, and so what I found was liberating structures sort of just distilled down a lot of that knowledge into 33 tools that you can use when you get to the group facilitation part of whatever you're doing. Um, and so as such, like, you know, these are methodologies that you, you use as you're doing something else, right? Like I said, you might know from experience uh, that part of your Kaizen event is working through the five whys with the team or the nine whys or 33 whys. Um, but you don't actually know how to do it well in a group setting. And Liberating Structures just gives you a template that you can follow and get really good success without having to uh, make it up on your own or think through it too deeply. Um, you can just, honestly, you can just follow the script and get pretty damn good results. And I think that's what appealed uh, to me the most. It is, you know, it's just so simple for, for folks to just go and read and follow the directions. I mean, and they're not hard directions or long directions. And, and, and you know, the thing, uh, John and Jake, about these things is they never fail to work. They never fail to get a result. It may not always be the result you expect, 
it may be surprising to you. Um, uh, can, can I tell a story on myself? Please. Absolutely. <laughs> so I did, uh, there's a liberating structure called what I need from you. And you are asked to break down into your functional groups. And I did this with a project team where we had an owner's group, uh, a group representing the owner. The owner wasn't actually there. It was a, a, a school, a high school being built. Uh, we had the contractor and then each of the functional trade partners there, you know, we were, you know, going through an orientation and sort of figuring out how to, how to work together a little bit. And I was teaching them how uh, to do pool planning and, and those kind of things involved with the last planner system, uh, which is a, a lean construction tool. So we uh, did an episode or an uh, a exercise of what I need from you. And uh, what I need from you teaches us to both ask questions and learn to say yes and learn to say no when we're asked for help. So what I need from you is, you know, like I said, broken down into the functional groups. So I had them all in their functional groups and they each got to ask uh, each functional group for three things that they needed. And uh, that we were going through it and everybody got to ask, but the only responses you can give in what I need from you are yes, no, I will try or whatever. And what whatever means is there's not enough information for me to even under, you know, be able to make a, a determination. So it means I need more info. So it's yes, no, I will try or whatever. And uh, the owner had, uh, the owner's rep had uh, forced the contractor, the general contractor to hire me. So I wasn't working for the owner's rep, but I was working for the owner's rep directly, even though I wasn't. Uh, but uh, we did this and it turned out, you know, we were, there was a lot of trouble with this project getting started. They were behind, they were having some issues uh, and all the, all the fingers kept pointing back to the owner when we did this exercise. <laughs> Uh, you know, that the owner was the problem. They hadn't gotten permits and they were asking people to go do, do work without permits and things like this that, you know, just nobody's comfortable doing, you know, because the, even even if even though it is a government funded project and the city's going to give them a permit and all of this stuff, it's still not a comfortable situation for any contractor to do that work like that. You know, they're at risk for it if something gets changed or whatever at that point. So. Uh, you know, so it, it came back and then, you know, they, they really weren't happy to have me back anymore after that, after it turned out that all of this came from the owner who had forced them to hire me, but they were really the problem for the whole team anyway. Uh, you know, and, and they were like, you know, I spent all this money to get this consultant over here and now you're not performing. It's like, whoa, 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 guy, this is not what we're doing here at all. That's not the, that's not the aim here. So, uh, yeah, they, they just didn't get it. And, and uh, I was happy to let that client go and, and move on down the road, find the next one. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's a great example, I think, of, you know, getting uh, getting a result might not be what you had hoped for, uh, but you're going to get a result. Um, and also, I think a powerful lesson on um, as business influencers, whether we're the owner, a vice president, operations manager, or what have you, um, having open-mindedness and self-awareness to uh, go with the facts lead. Um, and I've seen the same thing many times that you described, right? It might not be an external consultant. It might be an internal consultant. I've seen this a lot where it's like, well, y'all can't get your shit together. So you know, I called corporate and the CI team is sending somebody out here to help you, you know, get your shit together. Instead of uh, using a liberating structure or some other tool to actually talk to people, actually facilitate conversation. And Figure out what's facts. going on. Figure yeah, out what's, what's going on. You know, we talk about um, going to Gemba. Very important element of business leadership, you know, at, at all levels for any any business, I don't care if you're lean or not, you know, a hospital, a school, a software company, you have to go to where the work is being done, you know, and interact with those people. But having said that, we are moving more and more into the kind of world where teams create value, but they are not physically adjacent, right? So the traditional manufacturing plant is 
a contiguous operation and you're no more than maybe a quarter mile from everybody that's creating value from soup to nuts, right? Um, and probably closer than that. Uh, those those days are are behind us largely. Um, you know, producing stuff is one of the last holdouts. Uh, but even that, you know, your design team is in India and your marketing team is in New York and your production team is in South Carolina. But all three are creating value, right? They're actually the same team. Now you throw in something like software development. I mean, the whole team, like they're all working from home. This guy's in Seattle. This guy's in Iowa. You know, this guy, well, probably not Iowa. I don't know if people actually live there. Um, Is there internet in Iowa? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we love Iowa. Stop it. Iowa Stop it. Darn it. Stop awesome. it. Um, no, but it, you, you understand, like we're not physically next to each other anymore. And so for <laughs> going to uh, Gemba, while still important, like you have to supplement that now with the ability to facilitate mostly long distance conversations. You have to be able to Zoom with teams anymore. That's a non-negotiable skill. Just like going to the floor and asking why and looking for the more than eight wastes. Topic for another podcast. Not today. <laughs> Not today. Uh, no. And, and, you know, I'm I'm really, uh, as far as the topic of the eight wastes, I'm, I'm really shying away from waste right now uh, and looking more at hard work uh, as, as the thing to eliminate. For most places, I, I think we get so much value out of eliminating hard work that that waste becomes just becomes a, a, a not important to talk about. The reason that I don't like talking about waste is because people are waste and people have been waste throughout however long we've been doing this. And, you know, we're, we're not going to stop that from happening, you know, in a lot of instances, you know, at least from the way that people treat them. <laughs> Uh, you know, the way that people are treated, uh, not necessarily saying that people deserve to be waste, but that people are treated that way and that they, they end up being, you know, sacrificed that way. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, people were laying people off left and right, you know, mm -hmm. without really even knowing what was going on, what was going to happen or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, and which people? Aware. Frontline workers. Right. Uh, and they regretted aware. that right away. Definitely. Um, I know a vice president of quality that lost their job in the pandemic. Imagine you're a company and your choice when your income stream <laughs> is in question over the pandemic. I know who we should get rid of. Let's get rid of the quality person. That sounds like a great idea. Let's shift the risk elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Risk can't uh, be shifted ever. I, you know, that's the, that's the fallacy that's in American business today is that somehow we can push risk on somebody else. Yeah. yeah, or all the way down to the individual. I'm like, no, no, Risk that, can't that's yours, buddy. That's yours, buddy. <laughs> if you lose a client, there is nothing punitive that you can do to anybody that ever replaces that. Nothing. Yep, you're, you're nothing. absolutely correct. Um, and to, to expand on what you were saying uh, earlier, because I think this is a very valuable uh, psychological tool and perspective that lean consultants and facilitators uh, can learn from. If you are making things easier and better, you are eliminating waste. But there is something very strong about focusing on easier and better with a team, as opposed to let's find all the shit, uncover this, uncover that. <laughs> I knew it. You took 17 steps. Now I'm looking at the Maynard operating system right here. You're supposed <laughs> to take 15 and a half steps. Aha. Did you know in a year I'm paying you three extra hours for that? You know, so <laughs> by focusing on. And that's how you get poop in boxes, my friends. That is how. That is how. That is how. Well, I, well, I want to go poop in a box right now. Just hearing it. <laughs> and if you're Amazon, you have an app talking to you that way, right? It's even uh, one step removed, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, so I like that word. I think it's great advice for folks that are in the space. You know, you have to understand psychology and how people work. And in my experience, trying to jam lean down people's throats and make sure that their mind is right 
and that they have all of the lingo down, et cetera, is counterproductive, right? I mean, what are you, what are you trying to do here? You know, Better, create a bunch of easier. That's it. Yeah. Well, unless as a lean practitioner, my goal is um, about me and not about the people doing the work, right? If it's about my ego and creating a bunch of clones that know mm -hmm. that Gemba is spelled with an N and not an M, then, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, those that can't figure out how to spell it probably can't find it either, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Genji Gimbutsu, not Genji Gimbutsu. Oh, my, my favorite is, you know, like, I'll transliterate Japanese that I heard somebody speak. I don't know how it's, it's not spelled in English. It's spelled with one of those um, kanjis or whatever, right? I can spell it however I want. Pick you in a form or how, whatever you call them, the, the, the yes. overarching term. And then somebody will be like, it's not actually spelled that way. I'm like, yeah, it's not spelled in English at all, dumbass. It's called the transliteration. And I actually heard a real human say well, it instead of reading it in a book. So I'm just saying. Not only that, you know, most of the translations that we got from the early Toyota work weren't translated correctly either. Yeah, that's an ongoing conversation as well right? yeah it was specifically four y not five all you guys with the five y have it oh, it oh you could go straight to hell jake it was six <laughs> you could go straight to hell sir it was six y's <laughs> apostate apostate when my sensei kaichi ono talked to me about the three y's i'm just saying um well when mr Deming told me about problem solving sir well, Deming had some good ideas, but he couldn't really make it happen. You know, that that was really uh, Hideki Matsui. So, Brian, Even I really so, why you. is his first name? Why is his first name plural? Why is it Edwards? I feel like I don't trust you already. Because his mother. His mother insisted. It was a family name. Oh, it's like a Fair last enough. name. But his first name was Bill. He just went by Edwards, right? Uh, yeah, William Edwards, William Denning, or so, Deming, I mean, or something like that. I yeah. Think, something. So clearly, we're all Bill. like professionals and historians about Billy Deming. So y'all. Uh, <laughs> Wild Bill. More. Wild Bill, he was known back in the Wild day. Wild Bill Deming. Wild Bill Deming. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, thank you for coming on a quality podcast this week to share with us these tools liberating structures that facilitators and professionals in the lean community and operational excellence continuous improvement can use. Uh, I will link the website down below. I hope folks will check it out. I certainly found it. What? What do you, I don't know. What? I, okay. So we're not um, allowed to dress up for the end of the episode. For everybody out there in YouTube land, thank you for joining a quality podcast. John, Jake, and Brian. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Brian winning turkey, ladies and gentlemen. Winning turkey. Easy there. Easy there, Jake Carroll, the unfunniest guy in the in lean. <laughs>